Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. Pertech has teamed up again with the sport's biggest stakeholders to create the third annual Ultimate Bathurst Experience, with all proceeds going straight to the Peter Duncan Neurosciences Research Unit at St Vincent's Hospital. The winner and their guest will be treated as super VIP guests at the Repco Bathurst 1000 in October this year, with a number of behind-the-scenes experiences, all part of the major prize. The prize is not being auctioned, it's being raffled, giving everyone the chance to be involved with a limited number of tickets being offered at just $20 each. For a full list of prize inclusions and to buy your tickets for a chance to win this once-in-a-lifetime experience, visit ultimatemotorsportprize.com.au. A a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, all put together by the great team at Pertec. The great ones, they're different. They really are. Not better, just different. Sure, there's a physical power, a mental strength, a complex but resolute constitution too. There's a whole lot more than just the measurables. That's something else, that intangible. It separates us from them. Welcome to the Legends series on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Terrific career, and in my opinion, a terrific bloke, one that hasn't changed in close to 20 years. Mistakes, yeah, he's made them. So have I, so have you. His, though, were public and presented in the most distorted of ways. This is the truth, and for the first time, his story, the whole story. But who is Michael Gordon? Oh, (laughs) it's funny when you get asked it like that, but I look at myself as just a, a young kid from Cabba who loved to surf and play footy and now I'm back home and pretty much doing the same thing. So Still surfing? Yeah, I love surfing, so, yep. Shortboard, longboard? Shortboard, yep. If you look in the garage, I've maybe got a few too many, but it's <laughs> like, <laughs> so I'm like, well, me missus, you've got your handbags, I've got me surfboards, you know, so. It's, Do you get out most days? Uh, yeah, I went to go this morning, but condition, conditions weren't great. No. So um, if I don't surf, I'll go to the gym with some mates in the morning and, yeah, go for a run, anything like that. So. Still just active yeah. and, and got to do something yeah, daily? Yeah, it's like it's one of the things I – and it was good advice that I got from different strength and conditioning coaches is yep. like just keep moving when you finish, you know, you yep. seize up and all that. So I find, you know, I, when I f- – Finished professionally, I sort of went straight into the me junior club. I was captain coach there for yeah. a couple of years, and um, yeah, just sort of. I, I I think I enjoy like running and stuff. Like I don't train, obviously, like I used to, yep. but just going for a run. Hank Hank loves coming for a run with me, so running, surfing, yeah, you know, just playing tennis. Just I've always just been active, and um, yeah, just enjoy it, sort of things. So. How is the body, mate? It's in, in good nick now, but uh, I, I keep saying the boys want me to make a comeback again this year because oh. uh, they're, they're actually going really well and I can go for a run. Like me and Hank will punch out 10, 15 Ks, no, yeah. no drama, but as soon as I go down the footy field and do stop-start stuff, me, me, me old man calves start getting tight. So go. I'm like, all right, if I'm going to do it, I have to actually do it properly. So, um, yeah, but apart from that, body's in, in good shape. So 
two references to Hank and you'd be listening to this thinking, who or what is Hank? <laughs> Hank is the great five-year-old Labrador who is wagging his tail and come over to me now because you just heard your name, didn't you, big fella? <laughs> um, Panthers, Sharks, Eels, Roosters, Titans across 14 seasons, 261 games. Who do you go for? It's funny. I've I never had a team growing up. Like, yeah, as as that's what because I was just like a, a footy nerd, and like it wasn't like my dad was like I'm a South man, so you're a South yeah. man. But because my junior team was the Tweed Coast Raiders, I sort of followed Canberra. Yep. Um, and that was you know again I started footy in eighty nine ninety, so right around the Green Machine, Balmain, Canterbury, all them sort of teams. So I. Even now, people are like, who do you go for? I'm like, I don't, don't really care. Yeah. I, I'm a diehard blues man, but apart from that, I, I don't really have a team. So Now, you told me in another interview, you're not the footy tragic. You don't watch eight games a weekend. A lot of you guys, because it's been such a huge part of your life, almost for a bit of mental stability, you need just to step back and away, and, and that's what you've done? Yep. Yeah, for sure. And then <clears throat> even when I was playing, I could never watch footy before a game. Because, you know, you just get mentally burned out. Yep. But, like, say if we played on a Friday, I, I'd, I'd love just going down the pub, having a few schooners and watching the footy, you know. Yeah. I could enjoy it after I'd played sort of mm-hmm. thing. And and I'm sure, like, even now, if I, if I flick over and it's a good game, I'll, I'll definitely watch yep. it. Like, even the other night I flicked over that um, Canberra Tigers game, you know, mm. Canberra up 18-0 and I was just like, oh, I'm about to turn it over and then all of a sudden it's 18-0 and there's a bit of drama and I was like, oh, yeah, the interesting end to the game sort yeah. of thing. and. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's rare that I'll sit down and watch a game from start to finish unless I'm home alone and bored shitless. Sort of yeah. Thing, so, yeah. Wing or fullback, what did you prefer and where did you play your best footy? Uh, it's funny because I never played wing or fullback my whole juniors or anything. So um, Didn't you really? No, nah, I, I played dummy half mainly Yeah, um, and then sort of went to halfback. So I was always like a good organiser, that sort yep. of thing, good talker um, and because I was always so slow. Um, and then it wasn't until I was like – 17 or 18, I had a growth spurt, so I went from sort of half to 5'8", and then 5'8", to centre, and then I'd never, ever played wing in my life until – oh, actually, I debuted in the centres, but until I played A-grade, really. So I – sorry, my first year at Reggie's down there, I played fullback, which I'd never played, and centre and wing. So I was like, yeah, I sort of (laughs) made a whole NRL career of playing wing and fullback and never played it at all in my life, so. You're a late starter in terms of grade footy. It wasn't straight from high school into first grade. There were five years in between. Doesn't happen a lot in the modern game. Kids are identified these days as 14, 15-year-olds and they're groomed immediately. Yeah, it's crazy. It is, isn't it? Yeah. It's like – and I, and that's why I think um, a lot of the country boys seem – you know, again, I'm not painting a brush with the city boys because some of them me best mates still, yeah. but seem to have that – background of going through school, you know, you're not spoon-fed and, you know, you sort of do it the hard way. You yep. move away from home, you do all that. But, you know, I, I've – yeah, plenty of mates that were schoolboy stars, went straight into full-time footy straight out of school, you know, and nicest blokes you'll ever meet. But, you know, I think for me it was – there was no titans here. There was no real pathway. I yeah. sort of wasn't – like I liked playing footy but it, I didn't even consider it. Um, professionally, like I didn't do weights, I didn't do anything like that. So, yeah. When did you consider it as an option as a profession? Well, I had a chance when I was 18 in, um, I think it was my last year of high school, I went down for the West Tigers, so it would have been Western Suburbs. Yeah. 
So I went from Cabarita Beach to Hoxton Park and uh, I was staying on the floor of these other players' house and I think I lasted 10 days. And just with the magpies. Yeah, the magpies. So, But I was just like, mate, like I think I'd been to Sydney once in my life. Yeah. Now I'm out in the, the suburbs, which yeah, didn't bother me, but I was just like, mate, I'm not cut out for this at all. You yeah. Know, going to training every day, doing all right, doing weights. So I'm like, get me fucking out of here yeah. pretty much. Get me back to the beach. So, um, yeah, I pretty much come home after a week and a bit and um, I wow. thought, oh, that's my – and then I yeah, remember as they do, oh, you'll never get another chance for RRR. And yeah. I was like, mate, sweet, I'll, I'll see you later sort of thing. So It yeah. wasn't the dream to play in RL. No, not really. Like as a as a kid, you know, you you want to play NRL yeah. and you yeah, you, know, you watch it on TV and you, one day you want to be that star, but as I got older and probably just was work, I worked in a nursery and then I was a pizza boy at night and yeah, you know, I just ah. worked a couple of jobs and I was just like played footy on the weekend, surfed. I was just like, mate, life's pretty good, you know. Yeah. Like don't need to change much and I was just starting my um horticulture apprenticeship and wanted to get into landscaping, so wow. yeah, so that was me and then yeah, I sort of I thought um I'll have a crack with Tweed Seagull. I oh, know I tried Burley first because they were playing Q Cup, which was yeah the equivalent of yeah. Reggie's down in Sydney, and um yeah big strong comp. Yeah. It, it still is now, but back then it was like really strong. Mm. And um went up and done a preseason with Burley and Rick Stone was the coach and played uh, three trials and again never played wing but played on the wing there and I scored a hat trick, a hat trick and a double. <laughs> really, and got cut. So. Um, so then I went to Tweed because they were closer. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, which yeah, again, it's I look back now and have a laugh, but at yeah. then I was just like, oh fuck, like again <laughs> training twice a week, yeah, which I'd never done properly before and yeah. all that, and I was just like, oh bugger this, yeah, and, yeah. And again, it's like any job, it's yeah, and I knew it growing up, like never got picked in red teams. It was blokes would get picked that didn't even turn up and stuff like that. It was just, you know, pure yeah. politics as, as it is with everything. And I was just yeah. like, oh, I'm not cut out for this shit, you know. So mm. I just hated that 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 side of it sort of yeah. thing. So um, I was just like, mate, I'll, I'll go play. Because we didn't have a senior club at um, – a senior team at Raiders. So I played yep. all my juniors there and then sort of had to move around to, to senior football. And, um, yeah, so I thought I'll go to Tweed because at least if I can have a crack, it's in the Q Cup and yep. it's a good strong comp sort of thing. Mm. and. Played A grade there the first year and then the second year got called up half. Actually, no, I played one game and then got dropped and then didn't play the next uh, till the next year and I played the back half of the season and ended up like top point scorer, just like absolutely killed it and wow. sort of went from there, yeah. That's terrific. What a great yarn that is. <laughs> hey, legends, we're getting close to 500 episodes. 500 episodes of Rugby League Gold that you can't or won't find anywhere else. The best thing about Unfiltered, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. You can listen to any episode at any time. It'll make sense. Time to download the entire library of legends. Debut day in the NRL. You were actually named at centre for Penrith on April 28, 2006. Is there a memory of the day that stands out? Well, now that you said April 28, my son was actually born on April 28, but uh, a few years later. But yeah. um, the only thing I remember is I was going to play Reggie's because I wasn't named all week. Um, and I was really good friends with Paulie Aidon, who was named to debut that week. Yep. So I, I'm going down to play Reggie's. I'm in the shower and I get a phone call saying, oh, you're playing first grade tonight. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, whatever sort of thing. And so I got changed, went down and they're like, no, nah, um, I think it was Marco Haller and he got injured today, so you're you're playing tonight. And I'm like, 
fuck, like wow. I had no chance to like tell well, – I t- got to tell family and that sort of stuff but literally found out a couple of hours before the game. But I actually think it was probably a better way to find out because – I was with Paul the all week. He was nervous. He had the family down. He had so much yeah. time to think about it and worry yeah. about it. Whereas I just like turned up and I was, yeah, obviously shit myself. Yeah. I'd been watching, yeah, A grade warm up when we were coming off, yeah, cooling down for Reggie's, just thinking, man, I could not play this, you know. And then when I got out there, I was just like, oh, man, this is not too bad, you yeah. know. Like we, I, it was the opening of the, um, the new grandstand at Panthers there. Yeah. Um, and then we ended up getting flogged by Cronulla, but I was like, after it, I was like, yeah, that wasn't too bad, you know. Yeah. So I just, it was a, a mental thing, you know, because physically I still wasn't any bigger or anything like yeah. that, but just that mental barrier of being tackled and getting tackled and, and doing all like, and tackling blokes and just like mixing it in NRL. I, was I like, bet. You mentioned you got the phone call. I love asking this question. Um, a blues jersey in 2010. How'd you find out? Who who called you? Uh, I think it was actually Mick Leary, the Panther CEO at the time. Because, yeah. you know, they used to do the televised announcement and that. And yep. um, so I was sitting there watching it, you know, obviously hoping, but then got a phone call probably an hour before that televised thing going, oh, you, you know, you've been picked, rah, rah, sort of thing. So I was like... Uh, it was one of them ones because, you know, every player watches it going, oh, just, you know, pick me. I could do better than these blokes. Yeah. And, you know, we're on the back of, you know, seven or six years hiding mm. or whatever sort of thing. And you always go, oh, you yeah, know, I'd just like to have a crack one day, you mm. know, and always love watching the Blues. And Origin was always the pinnacle of watching, you know, just those battles for, for so many years. And, um, yeah, even to get to play that, it was a dead rubber, but one of the greatest experiences of my life, yeah. Tough era to be a blue. Yeah, I know, I know. It's just like you sort of look at that run and you just like, mate, like the amount of times like we it would be one all going into the cider and, yep. and, you know, in typical Queensland fashion we'd always – well, some 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 of the uh, the final games we'd get absolutely flogged, but mm. then there was some where it was just pure heartbreak, as as it always happens. So even game one the other night, it was just typical. I was just like, yeah, we're in control, and all of a sudden we're not, and it's like, what just happened? You know, so. the history books will say Queensland was so dominant over that period, and they were because they won <laughs> more games. But yeah. on further inspection of the stats, when you look at the score lines yeah. for a decade, there still wasn't a whole lot in it, but Queensland won the moments that matter. Exactly. And that's like I think they show the stat most years where it's like points differential between two teams, like yeah. games won and there's minimal in it, like, you know. Mm. And then obviously Queensland have got the upper edge at the moment after so much dominance, but it's it's always like, yeah, under 10 points between it, that sort mm. of thing. And you think it's been, what, 1980 was the first one, you're like, you know, 40 years later it's yeah. still just so tight. So you just like – I hate it every year when they're like, oh, New South Wales are raging hot favourites. So I'm like, is not again. He's doing like <laughs> yeah. the media kill us every time. Like, you've been watching the same shit for the same yeah, last yeah, yeah. 40 years. Stop saying it. Yeah. Like, it kills us every time, you know. And oh. and that year when um, they come out, and I can't remember who it was, said, this is the worst Queensland team ever picked. Um, I went, we're, we're going to lose. You've just, yeah. you've cursed us, you know. Yep. And I'm like, as soon as they say shit like that, I just. It's the only time I get f- fired up about footy is origin time. Yeah, so it's like, <laughs> that's a terrific time, time of year. Weird time of year because you live on the basically on the border right of New South Wales, border. Queensland. Majority of the media here is Queensland as well. So yeah. it's like, yeah, you do get – I get the local NBN news as well, but majority of it's all Queensland and it's, um, yeah, you just like, bloody hell. Hey, mate, six years at Penrith. Um, eight years, sorry. Was it eight years at eight Penrith? Eight years at Penrith, yeah. Six years of first grade, eight years yeah, at yeah, Penrith. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, what are the memories there? Mate, I had the best time down there. Yeah? Went from, you know, Cabba, a little surfy town on the north coast to the most western suburb of Sydney. Yeah. But when I first went down, it still had that real country town feel to it, you know? Yep. Like, obviously, it's a suburb of the city, but it's like you're right on the foot of the mountains. It, um, yeah, I, I just like, obviously, being away from the surf, her, but um, mm. I usually, when I... I'd track the swell, and if there was ways, I'd just boost down to Wollongong, sort of down that way. It yeah. was easier than going to Cronulla and them sort of places. Yeah. But um, I loved it there, eh? Just, yeah, I had such a good time, such good blokes, yep. good coach. So I, I sort of went through all the – started with Johnny Lang, you know, it was, yeah. as old school as you get. Like v- videos were on VHS and he'd fall asleep through half of them, you know. Yes. And, like, and then Matty Elliott come in and it was like cutting videos and set plays and yeah. this and that and I was just like holy shit what what's going yeah. on here and um and then obviously it just progressed from there and uh, Ivan come in my last year there and yep. Gu- and Gus and all that sort of thing so um but yeah I just had such a good time and yeah the people out there and and, and that's the backbone of every club is yeah obviously the staff and the the players and that but it's the support staff you know your gear stewards and your your team managers and all them people they're the ones that just like make you feel at home you know so yeah. Um, interrupting the interview, we're doing a, a Hank update. Hank, Hank is off. currently up Get on off. my lap and licking the microphone. <laughs> oh. Hello, buddy. Mate, the ACL injury, it's a nightmare for any player, probably more so for a speed-based athlete. 2011, you suffered one. Your late 20s, bit nervous? Uh Yes and no, because that was like the first – I'd had a syndesmosis injury before but never like – yeah, that was pretty serious, but nothing yep. like this. And the only thing that sort of got me down at the time was because I'd played that game three Origin the year before, and this yeah. was the weekend Origin was getting picked, and I was in better form this year. I was playing really well. Yep. Not saying I would have got picked, but I was like, man, like if ever I'm a chance, yep. like I was in career best form. And, um, yeah, sort of it happened, and it was so innocuous that so I got – hip drop from behind, yeah. no, not even hip drop, but just sort of tackled like that and just went, oh, that felt a bit funny and then sort of jogged around a bit and now like, oh, come off sort of thing and played golf the next day and that sort of stuff and, yeah. It was, Did you really yeah, play golf the next day? It actually day? helped my slice for a while. So, <laughs> um, like, it was it was sore but it was like I was walking around fine, wow. like that sort of stuff and never swelled up, never anything like that. So I was just like, oh, I don't know, maybe medial or something yep. like that. Yeah, I was so bad at rehab and that sort of stuff back then because – yeah, when you're young and dumb, you just drink your way through everything. Yeah, <laughs> love that. And then, uh, yeah, finally had the scan and they're like, uh, yeah, you've done your ACL, got to have surgery, rah, rah, rah. So I was like, oh, shit. So, yeah, got that done, went and saw the specialist and it was um, – Gus actually drove me to see the specialist. So, yeah, wow. which was – because he'd just come into the club and, yep. you know, he obviously changed a lot there and I think yeah. he was – his eyes were open to, you know, how things were run, just going, you know, holy shit sort of thing. Mm. And, and I, I, that was that was awesome because we went to North Sydney, which is a pain in the ass from Penrith, and um, just chatting to him and getting his old yarns from from stories yeah. and recruiting players. And, and he had a funny story about recruiting Wendell Saylor or another one that was like him. And I was just pissing myself the whole time. He was just such a good bloke to talk to yeah. and just had a good yarn with and that sort of thing. And I was just like, yeah, because you see him on TV or whatever and he's he's got this persona sort of thing. But sitting down one-on-one with him and having a yarn, I was like, hey, this bloke's a legend, you know. He was just such a good fella to talk yeah. to and um, you could just like any time ring him, message him and he, he'd sort of answer and, you know, he was just, yeah, really good like that. And so, yeah, went and saw the specialist and, yeah, got surgery and 
the timing was was bad, but it was also good in a way because when it was at the six month mark was when preseason started. So yep. I pretty much had a full preseason. So it was good for the confidence and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, but even like the rehab was all pretty smooth sailing. So, random one, you kicked over eighty one percent for your career. What's the key to good goal kicking? Is it system, routine, comfortability, confidence, or natural ability? Uh, yeah, I think it's a combination of yeah. probably all of it. But, um, again, I was like – I used to kick down the field with my mates, but I was never the team goal kicker and that sort of stuff. Really? Yeah, just like there was always someone that was better and I was like, yeah, sweet, you can kick. Wow. So even when I played first grade, um, Presto was the kicker. So yep. I didn't really get a crack until he got injured one game. And then, yeah, I was sort of on and off at Penrith because there was games like when I was injured, say – Jared Samet would kick or someone else yeah. would kick and I was just like, yeah, sweet. Like it didn't really phase me that much. And and then it wasn't until I was at Penrith was the first time I had a goal-kicking coach and it was um, Graham Arnold. Pertech has teamed up again with the sport's biggest stakeholders to create the third annual Ultimate Bathurst Experience with all proceeds going straight to the Peter Duncan Neurosciences Research Unit at St Vincent's Hospital. The winner and their guest will be treated as super VIP guests at the Repco Bathurst 1000 in October this year, with a number of behind-the-scenes experiences, all part of the major prize. The prize is not being auctioned, it's being raffled, giving everyone the chance to be involved with a limited number of tickets being offered at just $20 each. For a full list of prize inclusions and to buy your tickets for a chance to win this once-in-a-lifetime experience, visit ultimatemotorsportprize.com.au. A once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, all put together by the great team at Pertec. Yeah, so it was – and his approach obviously was more just ball striking sort of thing. Yeah. Like he was, wasn't going to be real super technical and then, yeah, work with Daryl Halligan as well. He was a bit more obviously – footy technical-wise sort yeah. of thing. And, um, yeah, I think it's just repetition, practice. Yeah, just practice. And and it's it's such a head game because, oh, mate, the amount of times when you're close range, you're like just – you can't miss this. You can't miss this. The one. head noise? The head noise. Like out on the sideline, you're like just kick it. Yeah, yep. If you miss, you miss, whatever sort of thing. But anything yep. between sort of scrum line to scrum line, you, you know, you're expected to kick yeah. it and then – yeah, and then you, you, you're doing that head battle the whole time just going, fuck, if you miss this, like, yeah, yeah you're going to get heckled, you're gonna, yeah, your team's going to be disappointed, rah, rah, rah. So it's like that constant back and forth between mm. your head. Um, that was probably the biggest key that – Wow. Because it wasn't it wasn't until my my year at Para was the first year – I mean, first time – it didn't last the whole year, but it was the first time I ever got the yips. Um, yeah, they talk about that in golf yeah. and putting and that sort of stuff where I'd be – Lining up a ball, I, I, my routine never changed. I was still practicing two, three times a week. Nothing ever changed, but I was like, I don't think I'm going to kick this. Like, just like I just like, yeah. You know, in my head, I was like, yep, same routine, same everything. And I was, I'd never shanked the ball so many times in my life, and I was just like, had no idea what it was doing because I'd, I'd go and practice even more, and I'd be like, what, what is going on? Yeah. I just don't know what it was. It was just that, just had the gips. I don't, I don't know how to explain it, and then. I sort of finished the year okay. I kicked, you know, some consistently kicked some all right goals, but geez, I just like missed a lot of bad ones, like and missed them poorly. Wow. And started the roosters like that as well. I was because I went from para to roosters, and then 
I started the year sort of consistently, but I remember even that Anzac game, I missed a crucial kick that was close and I'm like, yeah, I just wanted Junior to kick the field goal in extra time. Yeah. That was all. But And then it wasn't until Jason Taylor come in because um, he was doing stuff with Norths and, yep. and that sort of stuff and I started doing stuff with him and instead of practising like three times a week and doing 20 or 30 kicks, we were practising every day but just doing 10, 10, 12 kicks. Okay. Nothing different. I'd still do the same routine, didn't change anything, but I just changed like – his approach was like, you know, because with, with Dale Halligan, his whole thing was, you know, as a rightful kicker, aim at the right post, you get that little bit of draw, that's yep. like your perfect kick. So even in close range, I'd be aiming at the right post and then I'd just miss the right, you know, and yep. it never even clicked. And then JT's like, why don't you just fucking aim for the black dot? So yeah. even from the sideline, unless it was windy, I just started aiming for the black dot. And then because I was like – probably mid-60s the start of the year at yeah. the Chooks. And then I think from that point on I kicked it like 90-odd percent, you know. So wow. Yeah. And it was just like this whole – didn't change one thing about my routine or kicking style or anything. Um, just – I don't know. It was just this shift sort of thing and then, yeah. And it's then, amazing. Yeah. It's, 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 it's such a weird thing, goal kicking, because – Everyone thinks they're a goal kicker yeah. until you get in the game, you know, I and bet. that's like, yeah. But I, I enjoyed it, especially like you're kicking from the sideline. Like some of the shit you hear in the crowd yeah. is so funny. And you want to turn around and have a bit of banner with them, but, you know, you get in trouble and that sort yep. of stuff. But I generally would give them a little smile or something, and especially when I miss because they just hammer you even more, you yeah. know, like, oh. It's <laughs> Terrific. I love that back and forth part, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Mate, I don't know why I, I like this type of question so much, but here goes. As a goal kicker, if you had to have someone, anyone kicking for your life, who would you have and why? Yeah, it's a I could I could go a few ways. Um I think like, you know, your technical kickers, yeah, you know, Adam Reynolds or Nathan Cleary, like he's just yeah, you know, he's so robotic and mm. never looks like missing. And then I think, yeah, you know, probably the worst technical kicker, but just someone who was so clutch, like Jonathan Thurston, like, yep. you know, he just in big moments, big kicks, he always just seemed to deliver. And that's why I'd always watch him because he had that big boomerang kick and I'm like, I don't know how you can control yeah. that, you know, and you could see when he'd go for a rough patch, he'd be, you know, missing him to the right all the time yeah. or whatever. And I'm just, but like in terms of, you know, kicking for your life, you go, oh, mate, you know, you're backing him most times, so. Mate, moving from Penrith over to Cronulla, there was a, a huge player turnover at the Panthers going on. How was the change? Uh, for me, it was, you know, I needed it, you know, because I'd just gone from ACL, then first game back, broken leg. Yep. Um, just, you know, and I was probably looking at, because Gus wanted me to stay and he had a deal for me at the start of the season, would have been the best contract I've ever had, you know, and um, and wow. then break my leg round one and, you know, by the time I get out of hospital, he's like, well, you know, I, I can still offer you a contract, but it's yeah. not going to be the same. And I'm like, mate, I'm, I didn't have any ill feeling towards him because, yeah, it's a purely business decision. Um, but then, yeah, so I went over there and got a three-year contract, which, yeah, coming off the two years I just had, I was like, well, I've got a bit of security yep. sort of thing and back by the beach and, um, yeah, it was like they – obviously they were always a tough team. You know, they always play that real gritty, yep. just – ugly style and I thought, oh, you know, that's probably right up my alley, you know. Mm. So <laughs> nothing pretty, just get the job done, get you know. Get the job and, done. But, yeah, mate, that was a full whirlwind couple of – or three years just because of, you know, when we got there was the whole Asada thing, like, you know, and, and then two, it carried on into 2014. Yep. And then 2015, you know, we finished – we ended up finishing fifth. We should have finished fourth. But, like, even in 13, we made the semis. We, I think we got knocked out by Manly, but mm. we were like – 
we're, we're capable of winning the comp in 13. Yeah. 15, same thing. And then, you know, just we faltered up at Townsville and Cowboys went on to win sort of thing. And I'm like, mate, we're right there. And some shit happened at the me last year there, just sort of left a shitty taste in my mouth, you yep. know. So I was like, I was happy to get out of there. And, um, yeah, went to Para, like same thing because I was like, I was at that point where I'm like, I always wanted to do a stint in England um, or, okay. you know, or France or wherever. I always wanted to do it. And then so it was at that point in my career I was, I don't know, 31, 2 or maybe probably even older sort of thing and I'm like, well, now's the time. And then um, Peter Sharp went from Cronulla to Para and he's yep. like, oh, look, come over here. We'll give you a one-year deal, rah, rah, And I was like, oh, you know, kids were young. I think my daughter was two or three and I'm like, all right, well, yeah, we'll do a year and then play by yeah. sort of thing and went over there and again just like back out in the West, back, back amongst, you know, God's country and – had the best time there as well. Like the blokes there, again, like BA, all the – actually Steve Murphy, the assistant coach, yeah. he was my coach at Tweed Seagulls. Really? When I played Queensland the Cup. Murph. So so me and Murph went full circle and, uh, mate, Murph's just an absolute champion bloke. And Absolutely. Full just larrikin. He's never changed at all. And uh, so, yeah, but then again, <laughs> when we were there, it was they got docked 12 points for a salary cap thing from three or four years ago. Yeah. And I'm like, far out, like following I'm me. cursed, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, but it was all shit that was just like yeah. so out of your control, you know. And you're just like, man, we're, but we we had such a good year still. Like I think if we had all our points, we would have finished fourth or fifth or yeah. something, you know. Like we had a bloody good team and we were playing good football, you yeah. know. It was just just one of those things. We just had to start at minus twelve, and <laughs> you're like, you're never going to make up that. Mate, the Sharks. You left following year. They'd win the premiership. So much a part of you would have been so happy for all your mates. Was there a little bit of you saying, oh, this could be me? Yeah, oh, 100%. I was like probably 95% just super stoked for everyone yeah. and the cl- the club especially. Um, you know, the shit that they'd been dealt with and they just had like – and they were, you know, on the verge of folding a couple of years yep. before and just like so – and again, like the people in the office and, you know, your Jesses and like all yeah. these, like they're just – the most beautiful people would do anything for you. They live and breathe sharkies. Yep. They're the ones that I was just so happy for, you know, mm. and um, and obviously the, all the boys I'd play with and all that sort of mm. stuff, you know. So it was as a club I was just so, so – and the, the Shire itself, man, I would have loved to have been in that party. So. Yeah. <laughs> or anywhere in Cronulla in, anywhere. for the next 10 weeks, you know. So, um, yeah, just one of those things. Yeah, just – Again, like only the, the footy part inside of me just said, wished I was there. But mm. apart from that, like it was nothing like a, a jealous thing or anything like that. I was just, yeah, happy for him. But, yeah, as any player, you wish you were there on grand wish final. Wish you part of it, yeah. yeah. But you spoke about uh, the Roosters earlier in the Anzac Dame. Uh, you did your time at Parramatta. But you also got the chance to come home to the Gold Coast. Your role had changed. You, you went from the young bloke to a senior player. Do you enjoy that type of role? Uh, yeah, I did because I'm still just a big kid at heart. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I think when I come back I was 35 maybe, something like that. Yep. And, um, yeah, and then you, you, you know, you're running around with 19-year-olds and that sort of stuff and it's just like the the locker room's changed a lot over the years. Like, Has it? Oh, mate, ridiculous. Like, I remember when I first went to Penrith, I wouldn't even go in the first, first grade's locker room, you know, like you just unless I was asked to, you know. Yeah. Like, it was just one of those things and – Everyone showered nude and if you wore undies in there, they'd be ripped off. And yeah. now it's just, yeah, it's I suppose it's a, probably a cultural thing but, a, yep. you know, an age thing as well. I was like I was like the last of the – I felt like in the last of the old school, caught the back end of it sort of thing and 
And then as with everything, it modernises and all that and social media and, you know, tiktok and just, yeah. yeah, just the world's changed completely. The world's you know? changing. And young, yeah, just I feel like the young I remember I think it was my last year at the Titans we went to um, AJ Brimson's 21st <laughs> and I'm like, I think I end up spending the night with his parents and their friends, you know, because I was just like <laughs> – I'm like, my 21st, I think I got kicked out of my own 21st. It was raucous <laughs> and I'm like, these, they're just like, and I'm sure they all carry on when they want to, but I was like, for a 21st, I'm like, this is pretty, pretty tame. Yeah. And, yeah, I suppose That's it was true. in season and stuff like that, but I'm like, I felt more comfortable around the oldies, you know. They so. were closer to your own age. Yeah, yeah, pretty much so, yeah. Mate, post-playing, you started as an assisting coach at the Titans. Was it something you wanted to pursue? Uh, that was a, a yes and no sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I think because I got to play under so many great coaches, you know, and oh yeah, and the thing I enjoyed as well was I would always pick their brain, but I loved picking like the assistants and the strength and conditioners, and I just I was like a sponge of yep. knowledge. Like I was never a big talker, but I always loved just absorbing information, mm. and um, and then I would use all you know. Whenever something was relevant to me, I would, you know, that that could work sort of thing. So taking a bit of everyone and going, all right, well, you know, creating your own version of Mm -hmm. what you would think a super coach would be, you know, sort of thing. And um, it was like, again, I I, I love the aspect of, you know, I was still, it was probably the perfect transition out of retiring because I was around the boys all the time. I was, you know. I had to train with them a lot because, yeah. yeah, players down and I'm running around still and I'm like, oh, bloody hell, I may as well play still, yeah. you know. So, And then I, I got to play in the nines, which was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, so i done that. And then, yeah, just that whole run in the water game day, still like getting that sort of vibe and that yeah. rush from it but without having to torture myself. So it was, um, it was a really good transition out of footy. In 2023, this is what you can expect from Unfiltered. The Legend Series starts your working week, featuring interviews with some of the game's finest, in-depth and personal. We talk footy and life in a subtle mix you can't or won't hear anywhere else. On Thursday, the Rugby League Superpod returns 12 different player interviews every single episode. It's fast-paced, and if you like a laugh with your footy, this is for you. It's the weekly show you can't miss. Then on Saturday, it's Dream Team time. Who would you name in your best ever 13? We ask that question to players past and present. We don't always agree, but that's what it's about. The ultimate argument starter. Who is the best 13 ever? Be sure to follow us on social media to keep up to date on who's coming onto the podcast. We're all over Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Andy Raymond. Or you can check out the website, andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. Before you go, do a mate a favour and when you're done here, leave a five-star rating and write a quick review for us on the podcast app you're listening on. In terms of business, it's huge for us and it allows us to keep creating the content you love for free. Make sure you come back soon. Legends 